What's up, guys? Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Appreciate you downloading this week's radio show. If you want a free koozie, here's what you got to do. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, and I will get a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail to you very soon. Put your address in the email. I'll put the koozie in the mail. It'll keep that beer cold, and you know what? It'll help us out at the same time, so I appreciate it. And thanks so much for listening, guys. Enjoy the show. We'll talk to you soon. Third and goal at the three. And Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line. Touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the They just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards for McCluskey on the grab. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone, it's a touchdown! Oh, mother! Well, Kyler Murray had himself quite a weekend, not just with the Heisman winning, but what happened after the fact and the disaster and the debacle that was. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, where your independent Big 12 digital media outlet, whether it's the radio show, the podcast, whatever it might be, YouTube, Facebook Live. Thanks so much for joining us wherever you find us. We're in all those different platforms. So let me say this first off about Kyler Murray winning the Heisman Trophy. What happened after the fact was the biggest embarrassment that the Big 12 has found itself in in a long time, not because of anything the Big 12 did, not because of anything Kyler Murray did. No, it had nothing to do with those guys. But because of the hype and the BS nonsensical story that surrounded the Oklahoma quarterback. I mean, this, this was a damn shame. If you missed the story, here's what happened. So Kyler Murray wins the Heisman Trophy on Saturday night, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm watching it. By the way, can Kyler Murray's dad smile for us? The kid just won the Heisman Trophy. His old man can't crack a smile. It was the weirdest, the strangest thing. But Murray wins the Heisman Trophy. Congratulations to him. OU now has seven Heisman winners. That's tied for the most uh, with, I think, Ohio State and USC of any program in the country. But then late at night, you're probably fast asleep. It's 1, 2, 3 in the morning. USA Today. The piece of trash USA Today puts together an um, article. And the article is pointing out old tweets from Kyler Murray when he was 14, 15 years old. And in these tweets, Kyler Murray uses some, you know, uh, uh, homophobic language is how it's being called. You know, slang, nasty words uh, to refer to uh, gay people. So they dig up these tweets. USA Today digs up these tweets. Scott Gleason was the guy, grown man, a total loser, digs up these tweets. And he puts together an article. And he says that Kyler Murray tweets resurface in wake of Heisman victory. 
No, no, no. Scotty, nothing resurfaced. You dug them up. You went through Kyler Murray's 4,733 tweets going back seven, eight years to 2010, 2011, where he called himself or he called one of his friends on Twitter. Clearly, it was, you know, in jest, called his friend a, a, a gay word, a word, you know, you probably shouldn't use. But he called his friend a word at 14 or 15 years old. You trying to get yourself ahead in a sports media world that loves being as PC as it can possibly get, then went out there and wrote a little article about what Kyler Murray wrote on Twitter when he was 14 years old and said they resurfaced. They didn't resurface. You resurfaced them because you are a loser and a hack and an embarrassment to journalism, if that's even what you want to call yourself. That's what happened here. So USA Today and Scott Gleason writes this little piece here, right? And he resurfaces these tweets from Kyler Murray from when he was 14, 15 years old. Kyler Murray then responds on Twitter at 2.11 in the morning. And he writes, I apologize for the tweet that has come to light from when I was 14 and 15. I use a poor choice of, I use a poor choice of word that doesn't reflect who I am or what I believe. I did not intend to single out any individual or any group. The end. Okay, you know what? I would not have apologized. He had no need to. Not because I condone using the word. It was the Q word. If you want, you know, I, I don't know what I can and can't say since this show does air on radio. Uh, it was the Q word when it comes to referring to gay people. So, is it a word you know you you, you want to be using on a day, daily basis? No. But when you're 14 and 15 years old, if you're going to pick through everything you said at 14 and 15 years old and everything I said at 14 and 15 years old, I guarantee you there'd be some questionable things in there that you would be embarrassed by, that I would be embarrassed by, and that you'd say, geez, wish I didn't say that. Now, in 2018 and even back in 2010, you know, guys had Twitter, girls had Twitter, and a lot of the dumb stuff that they say is still there. It's disappointing. But let's not kid ourselves. This is what teenagers do. And if you are going to sit here and crucify a kid because at 14 years old he called a friend of his gay and used a word in place of gay, God, get some earmuffs and get a life, okay? Get, a, get some earmuffs and get a life because you're a joke, and Scott Gleason's a massive joke. You know, Kyler Murray would have been a good test here because the guy has a multi-million, deal, multi-million dollar deal already signed with the Oakland A's. It's not like I compare this to Dante DiVincenzo, the uh, Villanova star who had himself a great national championship game against Michigan earlier this year in April, helped the team win the championship. That night, they pull up some old tweets where DiVincenzo is using rap lyrics on his Twitter page also from when he was like 14, 15 years old. And, you know, there's DiVincenzo's a white guy, and there are some words in there that, you know, um, the N-word and things like that. Now, he's quoting rap lyrics. He's not calling anybody the N-word, but still, USA Today, ironically enough, the same garbage outlet puts together an article about how Dante DiVincenzo used these bad words when he was a kid on social media on the biggest night of his life. If you are in the business of trying to ruin the greatest night, what is supposed to be one of the greatest nights of somebody's life, by digging up something they wrote on social media when they were a kid, 
you got a problem. You have a major problem on your hands. You know, people say to me, oh, this is homophobic. No, 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 no. Hang on a second here. You're a juvenile, right? I mean, think about it in the eyes of the law. When you do something when you're 14, 15 years old, you're not treated the same as when you're an adult, nor should you. Now, if Kyler Murray used this type of language a week ago, I'd have a much bigger problem with it because it would tell me you just have bad judgment. That's what it would tell me. Like, you're, you're a grown man now. You're 21. You're 22. You're putting that stuff on social media for thousands of people to see. That's just, that's just really poor judgment. Then you can give them a hard time. But the idea that you're going to solve homophobia by pointing out that Kyler Murray called his buddy gay when he was 14, 15 years old on Twitter, I, please, like go to a soup kitchen, go feed the homeless, go do something with your life because you are doing nothing of meaning. You think some homophobe out there is going to be, you know, uh, harassing gay people on a daily basis and then see an article about how Kyler Murray, when he was 14 years old, called his friend gay on Twitter. And that homophobe is going to say, you know what? I, I, I've turned the page. I've, turn, I've totally become a new man because I realize after reading this Kyler Murray story, I realize I'm in the wrong. Is anybody going to do that? No, they're not. So I know OU was going to make sure that they kind of took care of this. Uh, they were going to make sure that there was some type of apology issued because they got to protect themselves. They got to protect their own brand. But I would have loved to have seen Kyler Murray just you know, give the middle finger to this whole thing because it has been as shameful as anything that, the high, that any Heisman Trophy winner has had to deal with. Uh, you know, There's plenty of bad people out there in the sports world right now. Plenty of people to call out. To call out Kyler Murray on the biggest night of his life because of a tweet that he sent to a friend of his when he was 14 or 15 years old is the worst part of sports journalism today, and there is not a close second. So uh, th that story had me so wrapped up over the last few days, and it's, it's a shame that Kyler Murray had to deal with it. It's a shame that USA Today is not getting even more pushback than it, you know, it got some pushback from fans. But my goodness, not enough. You know, OU fans got them. Some, you know, just general college football fans said the, said the story was ridiculous, but there were not enough of the quote-unquote, major media outlets that saw what was happening here and called it out for the joke that it was because uh, you cannot in any way, any way, uh, look at this and say, wow, USA Today was doing a service in journalism. They weren't. They were looking to get clicks, and this Scott Gleason guy was looking to make a name for himself. That's, that's all this was ever about. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, being a part of the show. And coming up, let's get to it. Let's dive into the Kansas State program. They've got a new head coach. We'll talk about Chris Kleeman coming up next, what it means right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Took them a little longer than expected, but Kansas State has its new head coach. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, where your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And we appreciate you joining us here on the show. So, uh, Chris Kleeman's the guy now at uh, Kansas State. I like the hire. 
In fact, I like it more than Seth Luttrell. Let's backtrack here a little bit and talk about the Seth Luttrell hire or lack thereof with Kansas State. So Seth Luttrell is the head coach at North Texas. He's had success there. He's turned that team around. I think they were like 1-10 in the year before he took over, and they've won, what, nine games the past two seasons? They've, they've clearly turned it around under Seth Luttrell. Young guy, has some Big 12 ties. Uh, from Oklahoma, played at OU, spent time at Texas Tech under Mike Leach, has bounced around quite a bit, and now finally a head coach has proven his part a little bit there at North Texas. A lot of mixed-up reporting going on there with Seth Luttrell. There was one report that said Luttrell pulled his name out of consideration because there were rumors that he was going to have to keep certain staff members, <clears throat> Sean Snyder or whoever, on the staff, uh, basically because K-State told him to. He couldn't necessarily bring all his guys up. There was another report that said Latrell and his camp wanted an out for the OU job, where basically there was no buyout for him to go to OU. Now, that makes no sense either, because if OU wants somebody, they can pay the buyout. You know what I'm saying? Like, Matt Campbell's got a big buyout, but if Ohio State were to come calling, and they're not going to come calling, because now Ryan Day's their head coach, unless Ryan Day bombs out in three, four years— uh, you know, Ohio State can afford that buyout. They can pay the big bucks to buy out somebody's contract. So I don't know why Latrell, if that's true, really wanted a no buyout clause for the Sooners because if OU wants somebody, they can pay for it. I don't know what to believe. These are just the reportings that were going on by both sides. Latrell blaming K-State saying that basically he's got to keep people on the staff and then, you know, K-State side saying Latrell wanted a no buyout clause for OU, which obviously uh, both sides are ridiculous. Now, both these things could have been true. I I really don't have the answer. But either way, if K-State wants to keep people on the staff, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry you break the tie from Bill Snyder and move on. On the flip side of this, uh, if Latrell truly wanted a no buyout for OU, hey, buddy, go take a hike. Uh, You know, you're the North Texas head coach. Take it easy, okay? I don't know what happened. But Kleeman is somebody who has won national championships. Yes, it's at the FCS level, but when you go 67-6, and you know what? You've proven yourself. That is somebody who has done it, who has experience, who is not intimidated by the big moment, who is not going to be looking at this and saying, oh my gosh, I'm in Bill Snyder's shadows. No. You know what else I like? It's not a young up-and-comer. I would have been cautiously optimistic with a Seth Luttrell, but my fear would have been a a young up-and-comer in the industry would have been creeped out by the ghost of Bill Snyder a little bit. Walking in the Bill Snyder family stadium, you know, the season after the guy hangs him up. Um, seeing the statue. You need somebody who's a, and I'm not saying Seth Luttrell's not a grown man, but, you know, he's late 30s, 40. Uh, Chris Kleeman's 50 years old. Guy's been around the block. He's been all over the country. He knows the upper Midwest. He spent time at Northern Iowa where he played. He was a DB coach at Kansas, uh, you know, all over Northern Iowa, North Dakota State. He knows that part of the country. He's been around the block, the old cliche, and he's not going to be intimidated by the moment. He's going to have the confidence in himself to get the job done and do it as well as it can be done. He's staying on with uh, North Dakota State through the end of the season, through the end of their FCS playoff run. I'm fine with that. 
you know what? Scott Frost did that at UCF. It worked out just fine. So I don't have any problem with him staying on, with him continuing for a little bit, and staying with the North Dakota State program. Scott Frost did it, going UCF to Nebraska. It's fine. It can be done. It's not ideal, but it certainly can be done, and I trust him to do that well. So good hire by Kansas State. Uh, I like what they did there, and I think it's actually worked out better for them than Seth Luttrell would have. Let me spend a few minutes on this. So we released our Heartland College Sports 2018 All-Big 12 football team. Got a bit of flack for it here. We had all our guys vote on this, and let me just share some of the highlights with you. First off, when it comes to the uh, players of the year, we had Kyler Murray on offense. We had David Long on defense. Our newcomer of the year was Puka Williams at Kansas. Our coach of the year was Matt Rule at Baylor. That surprised some people. So how do you not go Matt Campbell? How do you not go Lincoln Riley? Uh, don't get me wrong. Matt Campbell had a hell of a season. Uh, Lincoln Riley is doing what a lot of people thought he was going to be able to do at OU if things clicked right. But what Matt Rule did, taking that team from 1-11 and to 6-6, six and six, winning uh, the final game of the season to get bowl eligible, with where that program was just two and a half years ago, to turn that thing around is so darn impressive. I don't think that you can give Matt Rule enough credit for what he's done there, not just in terms of winning football games, but culturally what he has done and how he has helped turn around that program and, you know, just give it a good feel again. You know, I mean, Baylor, it feels like a, a positive place under his leadership, a place that people want to be, a place that not just you're going to play football, but you're going to develop as an individual. All these things that matter, that add up, that, you know, players look for, that parents look for. There's value to all of that. And I think Matt Campbell, or excuse me, Matt Rule has done that very, very well. Um, so that's why we picked him as our Big 12 Coach of the Year in our uh Heartland College Sports All-Big 12 team. Our first team running backs were Alex Barnes and David Montgomery. I don't think that's all that debatable. Uh, we have Justice Hill and Kennedy Brooks on our second team. At wide receiver, quite a bit of debate. We had on the first team Antoine Wesley, Texas Tech, Tylen Wallace, Oklahoma State, Marquise Brown, Oklahoma. On the second team, we had Hakeem Butler, Iowa State, David Sills, West Virginia. We did not have little Jordan Humphrey on there. We did not have Colin Johnson on there. I think the numbers back us up on this. In terms of receiving yards, in terms of catches, don't get me wrong. Johnson and Humphrey had great seasons. But we looked at the numbers carefully. Everybody had a vote on it. And the conference, as you would expect, was loaded, absolutely loaded, at the wide receiver position. So no regrets. And that's where we stand right now on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, tight end, we had Grant Calcaterra, and then the offensive line. Defensively, this was tough as well. On the D-line, we had Jordan Brelford, Oklahoma State, Charles Amenahu, Texas, Ben Banigo, TCU, and Reggie Walker from Kansas State along the defensive line. Missing from that defensive line, a couple of big names, Jaquan Bailey, Iowa State, Daniel Wise, Kansas, these were very close decisions, very close selections, uh, but ultimately those were the guys that won out. At linebacker, David Long, Joe Deneen, Gary Johnson. Long, West Virginia, Deneen, Kansas, Johnson, Texas. You know, we did not uh, – Dakota Allen didn't make the team, the Texas Tech linebacker. Once again, uh, you can justify it any which way, but 
I when I saw our voting and how it shook out, I had no problem at all with what we selected. Our second team linebacking crew, Kenneth Murray, Oklahoma, Justin Phillips, Oklahoma State, Clay Johnston, Baylor. I, I, yes, you can make the argument for Allen over any of those guys, but that's what our voters selected, and that's how we went. Defensive back, first team, we had Adrian Fry, Texas Tech, Chris Boyd, Texas, Jeff Gladney, TCU, Greg Isworth, Iowa State. Our second team DBs, Brian Peavy, Iowa State, A.J. Green, Oklahoma State, Kenny Robinson, West Virginia, Caden Stearns, Texas. I think those are good selections and, and uh, fine ways to go. We got a lot of flack for how we pick these teams, but we don't take it lightly. All of our voters are watching multiple Big 12 games every week. Uh, there were some different choices that we had compared to you know, the all-conference team that's voted on by the supposed you know, coaches and, and administrators and whatnot. We just went with our gut on this. So you can debate it. You can check it out at heartlandcollegesports.com, but we don't have any regrets about it because we think we made the right call on a lot of these picks. And, you know, but you're certainly free to free to have a different attitude on that. You certainly are. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you jumping on and being a part of the show. It's always great to have you guys in, no matter which platform you're catching us on. Well, coming up, a big player from the conference is skipping the bowl game this year, a bowl game this year. We'll tell you who next on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So every year around this time, we have this debate. Should players be skipping bowl games in college football? My answer, not a big deal. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, being a part of the show. So Will Greer is the big name in the Big 12 who announced he's skipping the bowl game. West Virginia quarterback says, you know what? I'm not going to play in the Camping World Bowl. I'm going to prepare for the NFL draft. And I say, fine. You know, I'm not somebody who is a fan of playing, paying college football players because most of them are not worth the one hundred dollars to $200,000 that they get in tuition, in training, in tutors, in food, and all this stuff. Most of them aren't worth it. Yeah, Tim Tebow's worth it. Johnny Manziel's worth it. Uh, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, they're all worth it many times over. The average run-of-the-mill college football player isn't worth it, and he takes more out of the system than he gives in. That's just that's a fact. So I'm not a fan of play of paying college football players. It's also just an incredibly slippery slope that is a ticking time bomb if you go down that road. But at the same time, if a guy has given his, you know, blood, sweat, and tears to a program, to a team, and then you're going to play in the camping world world bowl in Orlando against Syracuse, I'm not gonna give you a hard time if you say, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to continue this whole thing. I'm not going to keep putting myself on the line in a meaningless bowl game. I'm not going to do it. The only thing I would ask as a fan is that if you're a Will Greer, just like he did, let us know as soon as you can that you're not going to play. That's the right thing to do because let's say you're a West Virginia fan. You're a father. You and your son, you know, you want to make a trip of it, go to Orlando and you think you're seeing Will Greer, you buy the tickets, you book the airfare, and then he announces, you know, three days before, oh, by the way, I'm not playing, that'd be a, that'd be a classless move. But that's not what Will Greer is doing, and that's not what most of these guys who don't play in their bowl games end up doing. They'll announce it pretty quickly, just like Will Greer did, and say, listen, I'm not going to play in the game. 
then you can determine whether or not it's worth it for you and your friends or your family or whoever to go down to Orlando and to participate in, um, in the bowl game. Now, I don't think this is going to be a widely attended game. I know it's actually on paper a pretty good game. Syracuse has, it's a Northeast school, obviously, a lot of New Yorkers, but also where do New Yorkers end up? They typically end up in Florida. So you could get a good Syracuse crowd because they've had their best season in a long time. West Virginia recruits heavily in Florida, also a good situation for them. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a massive alumni base in Florida, but it's two old Big East foes. It's an intriguing matchup. Uh, you know, West Virginia can't do any worse than it did in that Heart of Dallas Bowl last year. I mean, what a disaster and a disgrace that game was and every level from the game itself to uh, the fan attendance. That was embarrassing, to say the least. So I'm not going to dive. I'm not going to get on Will Greer here. I'm not going to do it. Um, he's paid his dues. Team came up short. Yeah, he had a couple of mistakes in the OU game. Would love to have those back, but it's okay. Guys got to prepare for the NFL. I'd probably do the same thing. But it's uh, it's disappointing as a fan because you obviously want to see what Will Greer could do against a very good ACC team, and it could end up skewing the bowl results a little bit. If West Virginia loses the game, you know, what would have happened if Will Greer would have played? We don't know. By the way, um, Sean Robinson, TCU quarterback, announced that he was going to transfer. This surprised me. You know, I vividly remember before the season when I was at Big 12 Media Days down in Dallas and Gary Patterson brought Sean Robinson. You know, every coach brings three, four players, sometimes five players, to participate in Big 12 Media Days. And, you know, Sean Robinson was there. Guy was a true sophomore. He only played in, you know, a couple of games last year as a true freshman. He was going to be the starter heading into the season. And Gary Patterson said, you know, I usually don't bring really young guys like this, but this kid's got a certain maturity to him that I like. Uh, he's a leader. I trust him. I respect him. And that's why I brought him down to Big 12 Media Days. And I said, dang, I mean, they, they must also have a great relationship. I don't know what happened, but it clearly appears like that relationship is not what it used to be. To put it politely, it, it just, it's not. Uh, this caught me really off guard. Now, Robinson didn't have a great year. You know, he got hurt, of course, dealt with some injuries, started the first seven games, completed 61% of his passes, 1,300 passing yards, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. He struggled with turnovers. That is something that will get you burnt by Gary Patterson. He always looks at it and says, my defense is good. I just need an offense that can do enough, that won't try to do too much. You know, Kenny Hill had that problem early in his career at Texas A&M and then early on in his tenure at TCU. Once he settled down and just said, you know what, I just got to do enough. Well, this team got itself to a Big 12 championship game last year. So I don't know if it was the turnovers that ultimately got to Patterson, what would have happened. But still, Robinson, if this was a year of growing pains, he still could have very much been the starter next season. You know, Michael Collins is the sophomore who took over, a transfer from Penn. He was okay. He ended up getting injured too. He was all right. Uh, you know, he completed 56% of his passes. Um, you know, he helped the team down the stretch a little bit, but he, he wasn't lights out. It's not like I'm sitting here as a TCU fan and saying, I can't wait for Michael Collins to be quarterback in this team next year. 
I wouldn't be saying that if I'm a Horn Frogs fan. Of course, what you do have is Justin Rogers, former five-star prospect. He redshirted this season because he was still dealing with a knee injury suffered in high school. But I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I, you know, these five-star guys coming to high school, if he's that reliant on his legs, suffered a knee injury in high school, I, there is so much speculation going on there. So there's, there's a lot up in the air. I don't know if TCU is going to try to go the grad transfer route and see if there's somebody out there who wants to transfer in that's you know eligible right away in 2019. I would not be shocked if Gary Patterson looked for one of those guys. Not saying it can't be Justin Rogers, but somebody to compete with him and Michael Collins. Uh, Michael Collins was serviceable, but am I going to say the Horn Frogs are going to get themselves back to the top of the Big 12 Conference on the right arm of Michael Collins? Not based on what I, not based off of what I saw. That's for sure. So this is a, a team and a program in a little bit of state of flux right now, especially at the most important position on the field. What are they doing at quarterback in 2019? You know, this was a a year for TCU to kind of reset. They lost 20 plus seniors off of last year's team. Uh, but now you say, okay, you don't want two of those years in a row where you're going six and six. One year you can take it, end up getting in the bowl game. These three weeks of practice going to be huge for a young group of guys. But, you know, you go six and six, two, three years in a row, all of a sudden that momentum you had from the Big 12 championship appearance in 2017 could be wearing off. Well, Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, being a part of this week's show. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place, on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Once again, thanks for listening to this week's radio show. Rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and I'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail to keep that beer cold. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.